murder rates and the crime rates across the country have been depressed dramatically since they started these operations. Um, it's back to normal here, but they still are canceling the carnival events. They arrested like 2,000 people last week. There have been home invasions. Those prudent measures, having a security system, having cameras, having a dog, having a gun in some cases, having yeah, pepper spray, right. having exactly. bars. Welcome back to the Ecuador Insider Podcast. Jesse, Carl, Brandon, welcome back to this show. I think given how much news we've been covering these days, which is really boring, um, we're, we, should mention, we should mention that we are uh, recording at 9.32 a.m. on Tuesday, January 30th. This, these pods get released on Saturday, now I believe now early afternoons. In fact, we should apologize to our to our 6 a.m. viewers because we used to put it out early in the day um, but for the Google algorithm the YouTube algorithm we have identified a 1 p.m. release time um, for the pods on Saturdays so that'll be coming out then however we do have an awesome plan which is still kind of being fully uh, formulated formulated but it's it's quickly developing into a daily piece of content so you guys should be getting more content than normal from us here going forward probably starting next week or the week after so look out for that um so yeah we got we got some fun stuff to talk about today you wanted to yeah yeah but if you guys are, are liking our content and you're not subscribed please give us a thumbs up to this video and subscribe to the channel if you want to get our content in a different format we put all of our long-form podcasts and interviews expat interviews professional interviews um political interviews we do that on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. So you'll be able to find all those pods released there if you want to listen on the run. So, but please, if you if you're really enjoying this, give us a subscribe and like. And what's the other one? The bell. 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 Yes. Bell notifies because sometimes we occasionally go live, you know, unscheduled. So if you want to be notified of when we go live, where we answer all your questions, um, go ahead and hit that bell icon. Absolutely, and we are in this. We are in a stretch here of just spectacular weather, um, which I really enjoy. Sunny, hot, and yeah. uh, and you know just blue skies, just kind of fully blue skies we've had for days on end. Now I don't know how many days it's been, um, but it's been quite a while since we've had sort of a cloudy day, which I don't enjoy the cloudy days. But you get these stretches during dry season in particular, where you'll get a week, two weeks, three weeks, kind of of just spectacular weather. And then you might get a week or some days of less so, and then it'll, you get another stretch of that. So, um, and I know Brandon, you wanted to jump into the climate a little bit, which just, you know, just for the Vilcabamba perspective, before we get into the more national stuff, the last, I, I don't know, Carl, your thoughts on this, but like for me, my observation or my perception, the last two to three years, something like that, we've hit highs that we never hit prior to. Definitely. That. Um, so like when I, when I, the first seven, eight years, whatever I was here, if you hit 84, 85, that was crazy and unusual. Um, you know, you're usually, we're topping out between, you know, 75 or 77 and like 82 and really never getting hotter than that. There's been some days, 85, 86, 87, 88. We've had um, some days this week yeah, that hot, yeah, <laughs> you know? which I love, but yeah. for some people that's too hot. Sure. Um, just kind of an FYI, there's. There's um, little nooks and crannies, microclimates, valleys all over the region. So if you're looking for a little cooler, a little warmer, you know, you can do all of that within 30 minutes of, of Vilcabamba. Sure. Even within Vilcabamba, you go up into the mountains, right. you know, above town, you cool it's down 10 five, 10 degrees. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not that familiar with Fahrenheit. That's why I needed the calculator. Well, good. Give them the, give them the Celsius because <laughs> yeah. not everyone. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, okay. So 85, that's kind of a high you're saying typically. That would be like 29, almost 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's hot. I mean, that's a nice, nice warm day. But there's a, there's this um, thermometer in town now, this screen, and it which tells I think you is not accurate. I mean, it I, I'm not sure, but it showed 34 degrees Celsius, which would be, I think, like 93 Fahrenheit. Does that make sense? Let's see, 34. It yeah, does. 93 degrees yeah. Fahrenheit. Would, would it get that hot here? I don't know if it's. I, a, did, I don't know. Has it ever hit that? I'm not sure. I don't, it might. It might. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. It was showing 34 degrees Celsius the other day and yeah it just seemed really hot but because it's not that humid here maybe we don't feel the heat as, as much because like on the coast it goes up to 93 oh, 95 sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but it feels really hot because it's humid and, and muggy. And, yeah. and I've had hot days in the Midwest in the 90s, low hundreds sometimes. Um, yep. And I don't recall this stretch. You know, I've been here almost three years and I don't remember even just recently over the last couple of weeks where we've had some really hot days that it felt like maybe it hit 93. It didn't feel quite that hot. It, felt, yeah. it definitely felt like. Wow, this is one of the warmest days. No, I mean, when you, I would argue too, it's gotten, rainy season has gotten a little more humid over the last two or three years mm -hmm. as well, but the super hot days don't tend to be humid at all. Right. right um, and even what we consider humid here is not Northeast humidity right. in the US, like at all. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, it looks like we're hitting highs all across Ecuador. I mean, Cuenca, it's known for like a cooler climate. Expats, you know, choose Cuenca because it's got, you know, it's kind of like on a plateau, like it's yeah, a higher I mean, it's elevation. Up, it's up over 8,000 feet, 8, feet and we're around 5,000 here. Right. So that's the difference. Right. So they hit on Saturday, they had a record high of 81 degrees Fahrenheit, 27 Celsius. Uh, so that was a new record for the day. And that was within one degree of the all time high ever in Cuenca. So, wow. um, and, it, and it was the third record they set this week. So it's been somewhat of a heat wave over the last uh last 10 days or so and and they're showing high temperatures across all of ecuador i, I don't even know how to pronounce all of these but it's pretty much mm -hmm. like the in yeah you know, here here are all the different areas that recorded highs mm -hmm. including the galapagos the um, first four or five of those are all up north other than Azuay, which is cuenca and then galapagos and then some of them are in the amazonian region right right yeah, so so what's interesting about that is so you're having some of these high these high temperature, you know, you know, record setting across the country. And then, you know, you're seeing you're seeing, you know, record highs in the Schumann residence resonance and you're seeing, you know, significant uptick in solar activity and solar flares and M flares yep. and and uh do you, you know, so it's it's like so there's high UV, there's high temperature, there's tons of tons of activity happening on the sun. What what you know, for people that aren't familiar with Schumann resonance, you wanna you wanna share it's kind of yeah. like the heartbeat of the of the earth. The yeah, I mean I can't give a good definition, but yes, it's basically people think of it as the frequency of Earth. Mm. So it's like measuring, I guess they have spots around the globe that measure Earth's frequency. I believe. Don't quote me on this. Well, probably I'm actually the up, man. Okay, good. So I'll be wrong and then you'll fix it. Right. <laughs> probably the guy's name, probably Schumann that figured this yeah, out, I would yeah. imagine. But I, I feel like this goes back to that Asian NASA guy who was famous. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but did a lot of cool stuff. Um, anyways, I think it was discovered in like the 70s or something like that. But yes, it's it's been wild. And I think we actually set a record for like either 24 hour or 48 hour sun flares or a certain type of sun flares. So yes. if you're in all that stuff, it's interesting. Yeah. No, it is interesting yeah. because, you know, if you don't know it, I guess here, I'll just give a, a quick and layman terms definition here. It says the Schumann resonance is like Earth's natural heartbeat. It's a set of peaks in the electromagnetic field that surrounds the planet. Again, all the flat earthers are going to say, well, what? It, how does it go around? You know, like, well, anyway, there's some space between the ground and the ionosphere or something above us, whatever the, the you dome. want. The dome. There's something there that that uh, there's an electron, electromagnetic field or elect, electromagnetic pulse. And um, it creates waves that bounce back and forth between something up there and something down here. And and that pulse, that that combination of constant repeating back and forth pulse, is is kind of what they define as the Schumann resonance. So, um, and and it's certain frequencies. You said right, Jess. Mm -hmm. It was like, let's see, yeah. So there's like high frequency, low frequency, but the Schumann resonance is a specific high frequency. Uh, uh, electromagnetic field. All right, let's see here. The Schumann resonance was discovered by German physicist Winfried Otto Schumann in 1952. He predicted that these global electromag electromagnetic resonances mathematically, he predicted them mathematically and published his results in some medical or in some scientific journal. Um, and it wasn't until years later that he and his colleagues, including Herbert Koenig, um, were able to um, measure and confirm the existence of the resonances. 
resonances. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing that's pretty interesting is that, you know, they've been studying these now, um, the Schumann resonance in particular and other electromagnetic fields, they've been studying for years now. They discovered them in the 50s, they've measured them since, you know, they've been studying these for a long time and they're, and they're, they're correlating like direct impacts to technological interference, um, biological effects on humans, yeah. on animals, changes animal behavior. They have, um, it, it actually changes, you know, how earth, you know, weather patterns change, you know, it, it impacts so many things that it, it seems like we've been studying this for a long time and we don't even fully understand the impact, but there seems to be enough science now that whatever the Schumann resonance, resonance is, it, it has a significant impact on human beings and life on earth. Mm -hmm. And, the, and the, it, it's increased basically or? Yeah, it, yeah, it's like correlated. So it's, it's they've hit, you know, I don't know, is it, is it a record? I don't know how yeah, to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, the way they measure it, they give you like a number. Yeah. So the Schumann resonance might be at seven or it might be at 70 or, you know, when so it's they, normally at another. Level. And I don't know. Right. I don't know exactly what all those mean, recall. but but we've definitely hit some record highs over the last years. Um, and I think one may have been hit recently. Yeah. In the last even 10, 14 days, we've hit some highs in Schumann resonance resonance. I keep saying resonance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Schumann resonance and we've also hit highs in some of the temperatures and there were also mm -hmm. correlated highs in solar activity that observed on the sun with solar flares and M flares. I don't know if there was X flares. There was definitely an uptick in M flares and and then UV. So there's something kind of correlated with, you know, electromagnetic fields, the sun, radiation, you know, that mm -hmm. temperature. And there's no question that that stuff affects how you feel. Like even if we just forget all of the science, because none of us really know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> nope. But but you know you, you, those days that are like a little bit humid and they're kind of like high pressure days where the atmosphere is a little bit low. I'm like it's like I need to go to the river and like reset and like you know to feel better. Whereas when it's like this, when the atmosphere is high and it's yep. like very low pressure it's just kind of opens up and you, you feel different. You feel, for me, I feel better, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you All notice, right. do you notice differences in the way you feel, whether it's sunny or not, or I'm high? Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of numb when it comes to these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, I try to carry my own weather within. Ah, this way. Oh, hey. well said. <laughs> well Wise said. words. Um, all right. Well, we covered that. Let's jump into Brandon some of the stuff that you were looking at in terms of. Um, oh, sorry, that's the wrong question. So, what did you want to talk about next? Well, here? we can just do a quick update. You know, like obviously, there's there's some international headlines in Ecuador now. We've covered a ton of it. Um, we can just give a quick update on on where that stands um, from the government, from the president. So, uh, oh, you know what? Actually, I apologize. There yeah. was a question that a client asked, I don't remember if it was, I think it was via email, it may have been on YouTube, that relates to the weather. So let's just oh, cover sure. that before we move on. Yeah. Hi men, there is an item maybe you can address in a near future vlog, El Nino, I think it was La Nina this year. Was it La Nina or El Nino? Name El, Nino sure. El Nino. El Nino, okay. Yeah. We kept hearing how inundated the coast was going to get this winter, which is now, if it was happening, surely we'd know something by now. Mm -hmm. Here in the PNW, does anyone know what that is? Pacific, Pacific Northwest? Northwest? Hey, I got there. there. You go. uh, it is. Come, uh, it is, parentheses, supposed to be drier during that event. I can tell you it has been as wet as ever. Can you please fill us in on the latest development? So, yeah, we did hear a lot about that. The mm -hmm. coast was supposed to get flooded, and I think the mountains were supposed to have a drought, Dryer, basically. Yeah. And I don't think we've seen either of those, nope. to my knowledge. So, no. I mean, I don't think there's been any flooding necessarily on the coast, but they might have had a bit more rain. And I think it's it has been drier here as well. You think so? Slightly drier than other rainy seasons. At least the heavy rains have, haven't really started. I mean, February, March is usually when we get more rain. So far, it hasn't rained a lot this rain, this dry season, wouldn't you say? I mean, I'd say less than years where it's rained more than normal. But I don't know that, for me, I don't know that it's less than kind of average over the last mm -hmm. 10 years. Maybe it is, but. Yeah, like last year, our, I know because we have a patio and it gets flooded when it rains. And it hasn't flooded once this year. And last mm. year, it flooded like five or six times mm. when we had he heavy rains. So. Mm -hmm. And those typically start like. This well, I guess it's is it February? What's it? Is it end of January? Next month? Everyone tries to put typically on yeah. this stuff. There's no typically, <laughs> There's no typical. really. Like there was kind of more, a little bit more typically. I think typical 
weather patterns for the first six or seven years I was here. The yeah. last few have been different. Right. I mean, yeah. What, one thing uh, that I know, though, is on the, between Loja and Zamora, and even between Vilcabamba and Loja, actually, on the highway, there's a few spots that get landslides. Mm -hmm. Right. Last year, we've had a few, you know. For yeah. sure. I think it was most in February. Now, we haven't, it hasn't happened yet here that I know of. Uh, I mean, between here and Loja, at least. Yeah. We haven't had any landsliding on the road. So that wow. indicates maybe a little less rain because when it's there's also, heavy rains, it's also, it's also not, not February. February. <laughs> <laughs> it's not February. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's well, what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Heavy rains come in February. Right. right. That, no, that typically has been the case. Like yeah. you mentioned on the last episode, I think in the 10 years I've been here, it's been raining during Carnival every year. Yes, so that's right. right. Yeah. Which, oh, <laughs> which on that note, no we, can we can mention uh, last episode, we were talking about the traffic lights. Mm -hmm. Vilcabamba, <laughs> Loja province is all green. So there's yep. no curfews here. None yep. of that is no going on anymore. Other areas, I believe Cuenca is yellow. Cuenca is yellow. Yeah. And then the Coast Guayaquil. I think Quito might have been red, which was a little still surprising. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's still today, but whenever I looked at it, okay. when that came out. I haven't heard anything changing like, no, in right. terms of the it's traffic probably, lights. Yeah, so yeah. it's probably the same. Guayaquil is definitely red. Manabi, right? Um, yeah, Esmeraldas. Esmeraldas, for sure. Machada, most likely. Right. In these yeah. So, uh, so for that reason, everything's back to normal here, but they still are canceling the carnival events. Um, so we did talk about that on our live stream, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. but not the last episode. Yeah. So there's not going to be any big parties in town. Now, carnival is still going to happen, most likely. Yeah. People will have their private parties. There'll be people on the street and whatnot, but they won't be like a band and whatnot. The government-sponsored. So government which is probably better for, for us, <laughs> like for our lifestyle. You know, when there's big parties, there's too many people in town. You don't have a lot of parking spot. <laughs> and the whole town I, is packed. Like yeah, you can't yeah. park anywhere. You can't find parking. No, I, no, no. I, I enjoy yeah, it. it's so yeah. much it's, opinion. It's, like, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but we can still go out with the kids and throw yeah. water balloons and have fun. Uh, but they probably won't be as much tourism. In this, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Find yeah, out. Happens, right. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. All right. All right. So uh, let's see. Government. Ecuadorian government news here. So it looks like uh, Nabal went and met with the premier. Is it the premier? Oh, or is the prime, prime minister? Prime minister of Spain. Okay. The Spanish prime minister, Pedro Sanchez. Oh, I see. Um, and, you know, and, and it sounds like they, they came to an agreement where in Madrid that, you know, training and intelligence and other resources, whatever that means, is going to be supplied by Spain to help in Ecuador's battle with drugs and gangs. So they're getting support from the EU, they're getting support from, from the US and other places. Again, that's potentially a slippery slope. We'll see, maybe we can discuss a little bit of that um, in, a, in a minute here, but it sounds like uh, that Naboa also met with King Felipe and, um, yeah, it sounds like they're getting lots of support from places to, to, to battle, you know, to battle this, what will probably be a longer, longer battle here. But in the in the short term, uh, the murder rates and the crime rates across the country have been depressed dramatically since they started these operations. Um, let's see the most recent update from the government. It looks like the, the murder rate has averaged 10.4 per capita which is down from almost 28 from countrywide. Again, that's very different by region. Like our region, our province is only like 5.6. 5.6, yeah, per 100,000. Um, 100, so it's definitely come down dramatically in the high high crime areas. Um, this is also interesting. So they, they arrested so far 237 suspected terrorists. So they've, you know, they, anybody related to the, <clears throat> to the uh, criminal drug trade, international drug trade, cartels, uh, mafia, mafioso, you know, that's what they're identifying as terrorists. And then they've also um, detained, you know, over 2000 criminals and what they're calling gang foot soldiers. Um, so they've taken them into, into custody. And, and as a result, they're seeing, as a result of the curfews and, and these operations, they're seeing all, all styles of crime, violent crime, burglary, larceny, yeah, I mean, there's there's consequences now. <laughs> right, right, right. So those are all those are all dramatically depressed over the last uh, you know, what, two weeks. Has it been three weeks now? Something Almost like three that, weeks. Yeah. yeah. No, so I just that's interesting that you're seeing a an immediate impact. How sustainable that is, we'll we'll find out. Um, but it's definitely positive that at least the actions they're taking is having an impact. 
yeah. in the short term. You were saying about, before we started the podcast, there's a distinction between criminals and just who, who they identify as terrorists. Uh, I find that interesting because out of the list that we've been reading, and I'm looking for the updated stats, they arrested like 2,000 people last week. Yeah. And maybe only 250 of those are considered terrorists. But I, my assumption was, well, I understood that out of those 2,000, they were still drug dealers and, you know, gang members and they, they confiscated guns and drugs but they didn't necessarily identify them as terrorists. So there's a distinction. That's according to, according to the, let's see who reported this. This was, is, is from somebody from the government office, interior minister, Monica Palencia, um, according to her. So she's differentiating between the two. So it could be like, you know, they got, you know, so we saw some of those videos of those teenagers, 15 year old, right, right. you know, kids, doing something <clears throat> saying they're part of this gang and maybe they are mm -hmm. and and maybe the cartel influences or controls that gang but maybe they're give, they're treating that 14 year old kid differently than they're treating the grown man that's involved with the cartel you know I, i'm sure, totally sure. speculating i don't yeah. know but they're definitely making a point this isn't the first time i've seen them report it this yes, way yes. Mm -hmm. so there's a differentiation yeah. of that i mean the groups that that uh, were behind the terrorist terrorist attacks right those would be considered terrorists and, and I think there was a list of like the actual gangs mm. that were considered terrorists, but then there's also criminals that, you know, are involved in, in drugs and crime that are just maybe not part of those particular gangs that are not considered terrorists. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably not dissimilar from the Italian mafia that, that probably still exists in the States, but not the same way it did um, back in the day where, you know, they would work with biker gangs for example or like in new york you know the westies which was a gang uh i think I, mostly based out of hell's kitchen correct me if i'm wrong about that but i think it was mostly based out of hell's kitchen which is like in the 50s in the west side of manhattan they would they would like if those guys needed a hit done you know maybe they would hire the westies for a hit or so so there was some relationship mm -hmm. but that's not the italian mafia right so I, I think it maybe is not that different right you have sure. you have cartels which are focused, I think, pretty much strictly on the drug trade, on exportation of cocaine through the port. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got just common, you know, sort of street gangs, uh, and, and that's different. And yeah, so, sure. um, you know, I think that's important to clarify because, um, you know, we've, people have asked us, like, are, are there, you know, are there, are there cartels in Vilcabamba, for example, or in your area? And, you know, I think just on its face, that's pretty pretty ridiculous like again we're we're 10 hours from the port we don't have any there's no there's no drug trade in this area um there's none of you know that's that's not the cartels are not going to be here to like hang out at the river and like try to try to like rob someone you know or something right that if you know to whatever degree that goes on in this region which is tiny um almost non-existent you know that's a gang that's just hoods basically what yeah. we call back home like hood mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and there's and that's not there there are drugs here it's just not this isn't a you know the distinction we try and make here is that you know we're speaking about this region that we live in it's a small town it's not we don't live in a big city we don't live in the capital city we don't live on the coast there's not there's not tens and hundreds of thousands of people here right so so it's just kind of you gotta you gotta think about this stuff, right? you know what what benefit does the cartel have to be wasting resource and time in a place in a small little place that you know is not even a big demand for for their products, you know, like and it's not like a direct route. Well, I don't think the cartels transport. are selling drugs in this country at all. Well, like, I think well, you know, just if we're are, connecting but, yeah. the 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 the, car, the gangs you know, tacitly to the cartels right, right, in a way. Right. That's all I mean, exactly. right? So yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and just a little, uh, a little context. So, you know, you talked about the Italian mafia, you know, back in, uh, back in the day, I grew up in, in the Chicagoland area and my grandmother who um, is from Italy, um, she, and my grandfather as well, um, she actually babysat for Tony Accardo, who, uh, who, who ran the Italian mafia um, after Al Capone went to jail, so she the outfit in she Chicago. she she would uh, she get picked up in the Lincoln Town car and brought <laughs> over to Tony Tony's house and and babysat his kids and and growing so up basically she was a cartel member <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and and it's interesting because growing up like we didn't know any different you know and then once I got older and I you know started learning about 
the Italian mafia and, and who Tony Accardo was. And, and, uh, and I tell my grandma, you know, like, grandma, this guy's nickname is Joey Batters. Like he's, this is a bad, and she, he's a pillar of the community. <laughs> you, know? you know, so like they protect, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. Perspective, perspective. Totally. No, I mean, I remember, you know, I remember <laughs> after 9-11, I mean, everyone was freaked out, rightfully so, obviously, right? I remember after 9-11, there was all these news programs and all these stuff on TV where, you know, they'd be in like a 3,000 person town in Georgia and they'd be at the local Walmart being, you know, is this going to be the, a target? for a terrorist attack and they'd be interviewing people on the street and people would be all freaked out. You know, they're going to hit. It was absurd. Then it's, it's a similar kind of thing, right. right? It's like, we're, we're in this sort of off the map, off the beaten trail part of Ecuador. Um, that's very much like old school. It mm -hmm. operates very differently from a good chunk of the country. Um, there's plenty of other places like this also, but, mm -hmm. but you know, the Amazonian region in general, especially South, of the country, the Sierra, especially deep south where we are, um, you know, this is not this is not Quito, this is not Guayaquil, it's not similar in very many ways at all. Um, and I think that's similar again to like if you're if you're in a major city back home versus a, a tiny little town somewhere, right? Um, you have very different parameters and very different things you're dealing with. It's um, way different than it's like for where I'm from in Chicago. It's way different in Chicago than it is in, you know, Carbondale, Southern Illinois or some small town in, you know, Southern Illinois where it's rural farmland, right. not big city. Uh, it's, that's like it's the same thing here again. And that's that's kind of that's good context for people because Ecuador is a small country. It's the size of Colorado, maybe a little smaller. So when you see these you know things happening. You know, it's it's good it's good perspective to think about where you're from, what state you're from, where the big cities are, where the crime is, where you see the stuff happening on the six o'clock news. You know, like that's similar here. Like that stuff. You know, we have big population centers, metropolis. You have more people. You have more opportunity. You have more crime. Um, that's similar here. As you go as you go further out of the city into the country into the rural areas, typically that correlates to less crime. You know, less stuff and i don't think ecuador is any different from that perspective mm -hmm. you know you mentioned 9 11 just thought i would share this i remember i was very young i was like 11 years old and uh <laughs> and but i remember my parents my friends parents people in canada quebec were freaking out thinking that terrorists were going to attack canada right yeah. so like that's even outside the u.s people were worried about you know terrorist attacks and of course it didn't happen but Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's human nature. I mean, I think yeah. I think especially when folks are really, you know, it, it's almost hard to to blame anybody for not being tipped towards fear in today's like social media world mm -hmm. that we live in. And and the way that journalism or lack thereof is kind of evolved or devolved into, you know, not not vetting, not fact checking or BS fact checking and then just being the fastest to a headline to get clicks, to get views, to get, you know, so, so the information is so much more hyperbolic. And so, you know, for, for people that don't either have time because they're so busy in the States or Canada with their family and job and in that, in that rat race or in that machine, you know, whether, you know, wh whatever you want to call it, they almost don't even have time. So they, the, the, the headline social media fits perfect for them, you know, because then they just get their little blips that creates a worldview and it's over. So it, it's hard to blame people for that um, because they, they, they're doing what they think is best. They're prioritizing their time. They don't have time to spend like, okay, well, CNN says this bad Fox news says this is happening, you know, well, so they don't deep dive any, any further. So um, it's real easy for, for folks to be tipped towards fear when that's the information you have. So unless you really make an effort, um, purposeful effort to, to, to find other information, to find out what things are really like, to, to visit places yourself, you, you know, you get tipped towards fear and that stuff just, you know, that, that changes your life, that controls your worldview, that impacts, impacts your decisions. And, and, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it makes me sad in a, in a way, you know? It is it, sad, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how... I mean, fear destroys your life if you live in it. You know? Right, if right. You live, if that's if sort of the, 
focus of your decision making and the focus of your just sort of activities and daily life is fairly fear based, your life sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I have an anecdote. Uh, my father is actually in Ecuador right now. <clears throat> he was planning his, his trip for a while. He had his flights and he was planning on you know flying into Guayaquil and going to the coast and spending time on the beach. Right. And so this was all playing out. And he was like, oh, I'll just go. Right. He didn't he didn't fall into fear. And I was a little concerned about him. I'm like, my dad's 65. He's an old guy. He's going to fly into Guayaquil, take the bus to the beach, you know, and hopefully everything goes well. But this is what he did. He flew into Guayaquil, took the bus to Montanita. Now he's over there. He says he hasn't seen one police officer, one military man. It's super peaceful and quiet. Yeah. The, the only thing that's different from the previous years, because he's been there multiple times, is that the tourism seems to have dropped significantly. There's mm -hmm. actually not a lot of tourists. Sure. The town seems kind of dead. And that's actually quite unfortunate for Ecuador, Ecuador in general right now is probably a lot of people are canceling their trips if they were planning on yep. coming here for tourism. And so that hurts, you know, that hurts uh, the economy quite a bit. So there's, there's actually a bunch of families from Vilcabamba that are that are over in Ayampe right now. There's oh, nice. two or three, four, maybe four different families with children that all went to Ayampe. So so help help me understand where Ayampe is relative. It's north of Montanita, south yes. of Manta. Yes. South of Manta, north of Montezina. So okay. about three and a half hours, maybe four hours from Guayaquil drive. Okay. Three and a half. Yeah. So they're there. It sounds like everybody's having a great time. Enough, you know, they're nobody's concerned at this point. So just yeah. data point for people. For sure. Know. And these small beach towns like on the coast, those are super safe. Like it's there's not there's no crime there basically. It's kinda yeah. like here in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And now the coast in general as like Guayaquil, Esmeraldas. Manta, the bigger cities and whatnot, that's where maybe some of that those activities happen. And but the small little fishing villages are quiet and always peaceful. And that's that's probably a good transition because we get a we get a lot of questions on YouTube about, you know, asking us, should I come to Ecuador now? Should I visit Ecuador? Is it safe? Is it is this the right time? Should I delay my trip? I had this plan. Should I come? Should I not? Um and and really, those decisions are, you know, that's everybody's own individual decision, right? They have, mm -hmm. everybody has to make their own decision based on their you know, risk tolerances or their perceived risk tolerances or even, you know, their definition of, of what right. risky even is. So, so that's an individual decision. So, I, you know, you have to make that decision on your own. But we could probably talk about, um, give our opinions on that. And, and like for me like the things that are happening being here living here already and ha and seeing all this you know it's it's not made me consider moving it's not made me consider hmm i should probably move my family somewhere else like i'm not having those thoughts personally so you know from my perspective it it almost reinforces this part of the region where you know where i've decided to move my family it, it almost reinforced you know, that decision for us, because it was like a, it was like a, a stress test in a way of this is something, a big event happening. How does it impact life here? Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's been, it's been, you know, I don't know if it's surprisingly unaffected my lifestyle here or our lifestyle here, but it's, uh, it's definitely been reinforcing to that to, to the decision to live here that that my day-to-day -day life and the folks in this community's day-to-day -day life it's kind of not ne negatively impacted by that so I don't know what do you guys what do you guys think about that stuff yeah I mean I think really like right that leads into sort of an overall safety discussion so you know we'll do that for the 400th time but <laughs> but <laughs> but um but it's you know it is important because mm -hmm. especially like you said like if somebody's making life decisions and don't have good data and good information, it's important to provide that. Mm -hmm. So, but I think what you said at the, initially too is, is critical and worth repeating. Like it's a decision that everyone's gonna have a different set of factors that they factor into and they're gonna make the decision differently. I mean, a lot of people base their travel decisions based off of, um, you know, US, uh, what do they call it? They have like those travel, travel advisories. advisories. Yeah, yeah, but there's some like part of the government that puts that out. But, you know, the U.S. travel advisories, um, you know, a lot of people check that, mm -hmm. you know, when they're making decisions about a vacation or somewhere to go for some unknown. Re I don't even remember where I saw this, but I saw that they issued some kind. Of, I think it was I don't remember even if it was for Ecuador, but they issued some kind of travel advisory 
that put wherever they were talking about it might have been Ecuador on the same level as like France and uh, some other European countries. Um, and, you know, I've never checked a travel advisory in my life. Right. So like I'm not oriented that way. Um, but other people are, well, that's going to lead probably to different decisions, mm -hmm. you know, based on where you want to live, where you want to travel. Is it, is it safe in your mind? Those kinds of things. So I think, you know, I think if maybe to start just with the travel stuff, right? So I don't personally see any risk of traveling to Ecuador, even anywhere in the country, you know, at this point in time. Like, I don't think you have additional risk even in Guayaquil or Quito uh, than you would have six months ago uh, traveling, like personally. Um, so like traveling through. I mean, whatever, whatever, like if I needed to go to Guayaquil tomorrow for some stuff and be there for a few days, it wouldn't cross my mind that, that I like, should. I better not because this stuff's going on because these are government operations that are taking place. If you need to go and stay there in a hotel and like go about your business in the nice parts of town, you're not even going to know that anything's different. Yep. Um, same with Quito's. And these are like the dangerous places, right? Um, we actually had an interesting comment from a lady in Esmeraldas mm -hmm. who runs an English school and said she's seen no change in life in Esmeraldas. Now, that's one data point. Mm -hmm. I I've have, I actually, it's the one part of the country I've actually never been to, um, is the northern coast all the way up north where Esmeraldas is. And I've always heard like, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. This lady's saying not at all. Other people will tell you it's very dangerous. Right. So I don't know, like you have to make a decision, right? So all we can really talk about well is this region mm -hmm. what's happening here and then of course we can relate that into the second part of that conversation which is like is it safe to live here um but yeah for travel for me personally i don't this wouldn't affect my travel plans right. um in ecuador at all like i don't think there's any difference right. now than and, there was and, and your mom was just here yeah my, just who's, traveled who's an eight, eight, 79 year old you know Same. female five foot tall female it flew by herself who's who's scared of lots of things right <laughs> yeah. i mean you know like she's not yeah. she's not risk tolerant at all right, right. i mean you know yeah. so yeah and yeah. and your and your both your parents were here or your dad's here actually both, both my parents are in are here right now right <laughs> and, and roxy's parents were just here as well they're still here they're leaving today yeah right, right. carl's wife uh, yeah, in -laws. -laws. Yeah, right my in-laws also came yeah no 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 issues at all and i was going to jump in like because it seems like for those who haven't been to guayaquil or for those who just in general like that's the message you hear is like guayaquil's dangerous don't go there it's bad <laughs> right. like don't go to guayaquil like I, we have a, I have a made a vlog episode actually. I will put it in the in the description down below. But uh, we spent you know three days in Guayaquil. We went to the uh, Parque Histórico. Mm -hmm. We went to the the, um, the Iguana Park, the downtown, the cathedral. We went to the Malecon. There's a whole bunch of footage of that. And at the end of the vlog, it's nighttime. Like it's 7 p.m. The sun's down. It's dark. Right. I'm here with my two kids and my wife. We're walking around. We didn't even drive that time. We took the bus and. Um, and took taxis all around and spent three days doing the tourist stuff in, in, in Guayaquil. And it was very safe. I mean, all we never felt unsafe at all the whole time. Now, that's the touristy part of town where most tourists go, where there's, you know, police and security and things like that. Right. But those it actually didn't feel unsafe at all. So so even Guayaquil, you can go yeah. visit completely safely. It's not that it's just like if you're driving through Guayaquil, there's parts of town you probably don't want to go. Oh, to, for sure. You know, but. But uh, most, most, which you could probably also go to and be fine, but I wouldn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I mean, so I, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Guayaquil, like never large chunks in one visit, but I've had lots of time. You know, I've probably been to Guayaquil 15 or 20 times. Mm -hmm. I've spent multiple days there multiple times. Um, and I've even had to like, you know, I've had to do stuff there that brought me to not the nice neighborhoods, not the worst neighborhoods at all. I mean, there's areas in Guayaquil where there's shacks and no running water and, right. you know, I've never been there. Um, but I've been to like the areas that it's just nothing but car mechanics. And, you know, it's not like it, it kind of the hood a little, you know, it's not it's not, a you know, not a middle class neighborhood. I think it's below that. Mm. And. Um, it's it was wild. Like, you know, there's people trying to sell you stuff all over and you're kind of keeping an eye a little bit. Sure. And I, and I was totally fine and comfortable. You know, you're working with guys, you know, you know, you, you know them, you know, you know who, who you're dealing with. The fact that some of that stuff's going on around you is just like it would be in any kind of crappy neighborhood in any city anywhere in the world. Now, again, that could be different for someone else, right? I lived, I've lived in really bad neighborhoods in New York 
with and never had any issues of any kind and i'm used to that right i don't i'm comfortable ish in that environment comfortable enough in that environment you know that i don't worry about it but um you know but like yeah this isn't this isn't some sort of like violent torn hellhole right. you know that you have to be terrified of now that being said it is a dangerous city yes. people get robbed people get pickpocketed people sure. get you know there, there's stuff that goes on i mean i think most people i know a lot of people that live in guayaquil if you're gonna live in guayaquil your whole life at some point you're gonna get robbed pretty much you know you're gonna yeah, you're gonna yeah, get robbed you're gonna be at an well. atm or you're gonna be somewhere you shouldn't have been at a certain time or you know and, and someone's gonna rob you uh, i think almost everyone i know there has been robbed you know in their oh. life um, so yeah, that that's also the case, right? Sure. So these are personal decisions, like right. yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, so then sh- let's jump in then to the, you want to see something? Well, what are you going to go to next? The life safety, like the living safety. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So again, we'll, like I, at this point, I think we'll drop the rest of the country because this is yeah. not where we live. This is not um, you know what we're all about, and not what we talk about and know about, etc. So in terms of safety here, and I've given this spiel many times, but in terms of the, the safety here, this part of Ecuador, um, the Southern Sierra, the Southern Amazonian region as well, um, for the first seven or eight years I was here, uh, ha- I mean, it has to be, had to be one of the safest places in the world. I mean, it just shocking amounts of safety. Um, you know, not to say there wasn't a handful of events in those years that took place where people were targeted and their homes broken into and, you know, uh, beat up and things like that. Not that nothing ever happened. They did. There was a handful of events, but you never, I mean, a quarter of a million person city, Loja, 45 minutes away, you never, ever like zero would hear about a shooting, a stabbing, you know, uh, uh, people's, you know, people, things like that, right? It was amazingly safe, almost shockingly safe. Like I had never experienced an area, you know, with has no, the six o'clock news in Loja is not a like, this guy got robbed, this guy got shot, this drug dealer got, you know, you, you didn't have that, right? right. Which, which is, I've never experienced that before. Um, even like in a medium sized town back home, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get those reports. Every uh, night. Every night. Yeah. yeah. So safety here was, you know, like, like 9.8 out of 10 or, you know, something like that for the first seven or eight years. The last few, it's gotten more dangerous. So we've seen an increase in crime in Loja. Um, again, not still highly, extremely safe city, but we've seen an increase in crime. We've seen different faces that weren't there before, mm-hmm. um, coming into the area. And then we've seen in the rural areas, Vilcabamba, Malacatos, et cetera, we've seen a significant uptick in, in violent events, in, in criminal activity in homes being broken into people being, being targeted, being beat up, things like that, right? That, that happened so infrequently then and now it's been much more frequent over the last couple of years so again it comes down to risk tolerance it comes down to how you view those things but just for me personally which is all i can share um i look at that a little different now than i did a few years ago right so a few years ago i felt like you could pretty much live without worrying about your safety in your home wherever wherever it was um and and you know again you i wouldn't have built a you know, a $300,000 house and then have no dog and no fence and nothing like that would have been stupid even then. Right. But $300,000 here is is expensive. Is is like a million dollar house. Or or 2 million or 3 million, depending on where you are. Yeah. But right. So, you know, I wouldn't have done that, but I wouldn't have worried at all where I lived. I I wouldn't have concerned myself with any significant security measures, et cetera. I feel a little differently now, Mm -hmm. you know, like now, now if I'm, if I was, if I'm going to live, you know, isolated or far out or somewhere where I don't have neighbors or, you know, I'm, I'm going to take more security precautions than I would, would have then because we've seen an uptick in, in, in crime and those kinds of things. So, you know, that's how I feel, whether that's going to continue or not is anybody's guess. Um, you know, I do personally, this is completely personal, but I do personally think the world is getting more dangerous, uh, in general, you've seen, you're seeing crime rates go up really all over the world. Um, you're seeing, um, and I, I personally believe that probably continues. Um, you know, I think we could see, this is all speculation, who knows, but I think we could see, you know, sort of continued problems economically, which Mm -hmm. of course creates more crime. We could see continued, um, sort of just craziness going on in the world. Geopolitically. Geopolitically, absolutely. And sort of, you know, a breakdown in some of the, um, sort of institutions or some of the uh, some of the things we've relied on over the years to be there. Right. And, and these are some of the reasons like I live here. Right. You know, because because Ecuador only had 
sort of those some of those mechanisms in place that we have back home that function really well to some degree back home. Ecuador has kind of only had that over the last 15 years or so. So Ecuador is very used to like being on their own and dealing with their own stuff in their own communities. And you then, of course, you get into the broader safety stuff of like weather and the fact that you can't have food shortages here and the fact that people here are the communities here are so tight knit, especially again in this region. Um, the Loja culture, the Lojano culture is unique. It's, mm. it's different than I think any other culture in Ecuador. You know, it, if you're going to draw similarity, it would be to the other towns in the Sierra, the mountain towns. But Loja is unique. It is different. It is more formal, more polite, more tight knit, more sort of caring about their neighbors and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like I'd rather be here for me than anywhere else, right. given how I the state of the world and where I think things are going. But again, if you're somebody that like you want to call 911 when you have a problem and you want the cops there in three minutes and that's like your definition of safety, you're going to be better off in Canada or in, sure. you know, somewhere in the U.S. that's that's functions really well yeah. than you are here. Like yeah. that. So that's a different perspective. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ecuador is definitely not for everybody. We talk about right. this all the time. It's yep. definitely not. It's probably not for most people, no. really, from the, from the Western world. And, and, and it's really a personal decision, but I think a good distinction that you made, Jess, and is, is the, you know, talking about the crime, the increase in crime relative to what it was. So it's more like the rate of change. It's a big difference from your first seven years to your last four years, but relative comparison to another place in the world it's not necessarily, oh my God, it's so much more, right? So it's just kind of how, how we look at, you know, like the, the, the chart of the, of the murders per capita you shared on a, a previous uh, podcast, Carl. You know, it shows like, all right, here are the areas where most of the murders happen. Here's our region where it was 5.6, you said. What does that compare to other, other rural areas or other towns in, in the United States or Canada? You'll find out it's one of the lowest. It's near the bottom relative to that. So, so, so when you, when you think about crime and larceny, lar, what's the word? Larceny? Larceny, burglary, violent, you know, home break-ins, that kind of stuff, murders. It's, it's, it's increased. The rate of change is, is greater, you know, from, from a really low baseline to what it is today. Um, but relative to other places in the world, it's comparable to some of the lowest crime rates in the world. And we're going to deep dive on, on this in a future episode, but it's just important. It's important perspective for people to have, I think, when they're thinking about what do I do with my life? Because, you, you know, you hit some good points about things with, you know, with the economy and the geopolitical instability and things that are happening. I mean, you see the Federal Reserve for the first time in history, I think, reported like a trillion dollar loss. Wow. The Federal Reserve reported a loss. Like, so you see interest rates, you see geopolitical instability with you know mid, the middle east in in israel and gaza and other places you know uh china and taiwan um you're seeing these things happen now again i don't live there i don't live in that fear but the reality is those things are happening whether we like them or not to happen and and from that perspective i think you can glean wisdom from if you're if you're thinking about moving your family from wherever you are in the world or yourself and you're and you're thinking about you know should I do it should I do it now is it now the right time is it, you know when should I when should I make the move i would say that that considering all those things that are out of our control it's never going to be easier to make the to make the move now the decision isn't easy. It's a complicated decision. It's a tough decision. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of thought and preparation and planning that goes into making it. It's not easy, but it's never going to get easier than it is now, in my opinion. I, I don't think it's going to get easier. Things are going to. It's going to be harder to make that decision yeah. the longer you wait. That's probably true for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I one thing you know, people do comment on some of our videos and the word. Uh, break-in or home invasion I think a lot of people care about this and like are asking us like what are we what's our take on it so both of you kind of shared your opinion I'll share mine from my perspective um, first and foremost 
one an aspect of living in Vilcabamba is that, and I'm going to talk about this region. And I think Loja and Vilcabamba are also different from each other. Mm -hmm. Loja is a city. There's a lot less expats, uh, and Loja has always been one of the safest cities in Ecuador. Vilcabamba is a small town. There's a large population of expats here. So anytime something does ha does happen, everyone hears about it the next day. It's on social media. We get messages on WhatsApp. It's Facebook. It's whatever, right? There's so so it's it's uh, we all know about everything that ever happens, and and it hits close to home because sometimes we know these people or we met them or we know who it happened to, right? Um, so that's one thing. If this was to happen, you know, uh, somewhere in the U.S., maybe you wouldn't know about it because it's not as tight knit as, mm -hmm. as this community here. Like. Most of the expats in this region know each other to some extent. It's rare that you meet someone that you've never seen or know, or, or know, right? So that's that's part of it. Um, th these things do happen. There have been home invasions. I know that the term break-ins, home invasions, people have gotten you know robbed and and can ha it, it does happen where they get beaten and it's it's really unfortunate. It's extremely sad that this happens here. Oh yeah. Uh, I really wish this you know would ne never happened for sure. Of course, and all of us. Um, and so I think it's important to bring up, you know, not only Ecuador is not for everyone, but if you do want to come here, there are some things that you should do to make, to prevent these things from happening. And, um, and you know, there's a reality that, you know, us three, you know, we're relatively young, able men. We're less of a target than maybe an elderly person who's a, you know, a single woman who's, who, who is obvious from someone who has bad intentions that, that they're not going to be able to defend themselves, right? So... So I think taking responsibility is extremely important if you're going to decide to move here. And that means you can't count on the police to show up in three minutes, right? You have to have some kind of something, some measures in place that, that, that's going to, you know, at least give the police the time to show up to your house, whether it's 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, knowing your neighbors, having good relationship, knowing your neighbors, being in contact with them uh, at all times through messaging apps and stuff is a, is a really good uh, strategy. Because um, you can count on your neighbors, you can't really count on the police, unfortunately. Because they're, you know, they just they're slow. I don't know what it is. They're not. They don't have enough staff, probably. And people, like you said, most of the history history in Ecuador, people have taken this matter into their own hands. They didn't rely on the police or the government to solve these types of issues. So, a good relationship with neighbors is extremely important. Getting a dog, I think, like that's almost a must nowadays. Even if it's just a yappy little dog that's going to wake you up if someone comes in. Or a big, you know, scary guard dog. I would definitely recommend that. That would be probably better. And there's, there's no shortage enough. of dogs in <laughs> No shortage of dogs. There's a lot of dogs to adopt. Actually, free dogs. People have, you know, there's there's always uh, always people give, giving dogs away. But uh, but a guard dog is probably a good idea. And that's probably enough of a deterrent. A big scary guard dog, Rottweiler, Pitbull, German Shepherd, you know, anything like that, is probably going to be enough of a deterrent for for, for to avoid a, a break-in. Honestly. Uh, that's that would be another tip, and then you know some type of security system, whether it's bars on the windows, secure doors, um, cameras. You know, I mean that's what we have at our house. We have cameras, we have bars on our windows, we have guard dogs, we have um, WhatsApp group, a neighborhood group, neighborhood watch. We even have a gate that we lock at night for the whole for our whole street for our whole neighborhood. So depending on where you, you decide to live, all of these things I think are are useful. And then the last thing I wanted to say was. Um, yeah, just, uh, just, <laughs> just Ecuador is not for everyone. Taking responsibility is something that, that you should have in your mindset if you decide to come here. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. you know, you have to be more responsible for, for your life, for your outcomes. Like, yeah. And I, I think that's kind of a common thread for people that I've met that have moved here, at least people that I've met that have been here a while and that have moved here. It seemed like, it seems like in general, they kind of have that attitude for the most part where yep. they're, they're, they're looking to have a simpler life. They're looking to homestead. They're looking to grow their own food. They're looking for community. They're, they're, they're kind of more independent, mm -hmm. um, in general. Yep. Um, yep. but it's, it's probably easy to, you know, to get lulled into a false sense, you know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not, if you're not thinking about it, right. Cause, cause those things like, you may not be thinking about them every day in the States or in Canada, but, but that's because the, partly because the conditioning is that you've been conditioned with the news every night that it's just normal. Like it's normal. It's not me. It's normal. It's over there. Right. This, this part of the world's not like that. You know, it's not been like that. We haven't had those media cycles like that. 
so the 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 perspective that you have on those events is different right you know like most people in the states whether they live in, they live in a nice place that's way closer to some of the stuff that's happened in Waikil than we are there's parts of chicago that people live you know 5 10 15 20 minutes from and yeah those people those prudent those prudent measures having a security system having cameras having a dog having a gun in some cases having yeah, pepper spray right. having pepper bars spray. on like it's not uncommon to see bars on windows in certain you know like yep. so it, it is different in the way we think and relative to what it's been here that said a lot of those measures are measures people take anywhere in the world that have those type of risks right sure. and so I don't know. I just it's just good perspective to have because it's not it, I, it's hard to it's you know I'm having a hard time like trying to to describe the the climate of safety without really making difficult. it seem like it's like it, you know like it's a war zone or something like because because of the you know it's the relative change the rate of change is different but relative to other areas I've ever lived, it's significantly different. So I don't know how to accurately like share that. Yeah, well, and also the, the I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like the playing field here on everything is way different. Right. So, you know, you're much more likely to be a victim of petty theft here than you are back home. And you're much, you know, less likely to be like robbed on the street, for example, right? So, so if you look at, you know, if you look at, and, you know, it took me, you know, a couple of months living here, sort of figuring this stuff out to like realize some of these things. You know, if you look at, I was in Loja, I wasn't in Vilcabamba, so it's, I was just, I was just in the in the Ecuadorian culture in an Ecuadorian city, just doing that, right? So, you know, one of the cultural differences here is that we don't have here, you know, the sort of keeping up with the Joneses mm -hmm. mentality, and we we don't have a debt based. Uh, lifestyle, right? People save money here. They don't spend money on flashy stuff that their neighbors can, that they can impress their neighbors with. And if you look at the way people treat wealth here, they keep it in land or they use it for their life. So they might send their kids to expensive schools overseas, things like that. That's how people use their wealth. They don't spend it. They don't flash. And so you know, you one of the most interesting discoveries I made in my, you know, the early time uh, where I, the early, my early, the early part of my time in Ecuador um, was realizing, wow, a lot of people have a lot of money, but you don't see it. And so you'll, you'll go, you'll look at the outside of a building or someone's house or, you know, where someone lives and it looks crappy. You know, you might, you might even have like the broken glass, you know, concrete, Concreted, you know, stuck yeah. to the top of the wall, yeah. and it looks like you know nothing. It looks like, and then they they invite you in, and you go inside for something, and you're like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, the all the wealth is inside. It's mm -hmm. not outside. It's literally the reverse, mm -hmm. right? You've got a, like a culture back home where someone will have a two hundred thousand dollar car and live with their parents. Um, <laughs> like that would <laughs> never happen right, here, right. right? You'll have here here it's literally the opposite right you don't show anything mm -hmm. if you have it you have it and you're happy to you know set it up and make it beautiful and do all of that but you know people don't dress in any sort of way like that they don't drive fancy cars no matter how I, mean, I know ceos literal ceos who are probably making a million or more a year who are driving you know uh they're you know they're driving um hyundai, hyundai grand vitaras <laughs> or chevy grand vitaras um, which is like the most common car practically in Ecuador. Um, you know, they don't show their wealth. They show up to your house, normal clothes, normal car. You know, even if you go to their house, maybe it's really nice, but it's not good. You know, so I, I just, I wanted to mention, and, and sort of the playing field again on everything is different. So it's hard. It's really hard to have these conversations if you haven't been here, even for an extended period of time, I would argue. Right. And it not sound sort of weird and cockamamie and right. potentially really scary because it's just different. Right. So I just wanted to mention that. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Two more things we can get to if we can cover them quickly. If not, I, I do have to wrap here in the next like five to ten minutes. Um, one thing I, I, one thing I, oh, our retreat. Let's touch on that. April twelfth. Twelfth. We have our next Vilcabamba lifestyle retreat. Check out the link. Come down, see for yourself. Right, <laughs> see right. for yourself in a very safe, uh, very safe environment. See for yourself, you know what this place is all about. If you like it, if you don't, 
Um, this is an amazing retreat. It's a nine-day retreat. It's, uh, it's action-packed. You're going to see the entire region. You're going to stay at a beautiful hotel. You're going to get a great massage. You're going to be able to hang out at the pool. But in general, you're going to be kind of on the go, trying all the restaurants, understanding every aspect of life in Ecuador, expert panels, Q&As, information sessions. It's really, you're going you know, to pick up my first, let's say, three to five years of knowledge you know, living in Ecuador in nine days. Um, and so it's, it's a great time. And, and it's like, uh, we, you know, we get a lot of questions about relocation services and that kind of thing. The, the retreat is basically the capstone for that. You know, you'll learn everything you need to know about making a decision to move here and then how to do it, what the next steps are regarding shipping containers, visas, you know, legal, you know, buying, renting, you name it, you know, travel, pets, you, you know, you're going to get all that information. You're going to get those contacts as part of the retreat. It's kind of like a relocation services built in. And then, and then we'll support, we support, you know, you guys along the way through that process. Like we do with all any clients that come to the retreat and have, we help them through that process um, mm -hmm. on that end. So it's, yeah. it's not only, it's kind of like a vacation, it's an adventure, you know, you're going to learn about a whole whole region of the of the country and you're going to get all the information you need to make a decision as well so it's i'm going to put a link to um, not only the the we travel site that you can you can book the retreat in april but i'm going to put a, a pdf flyer from a previous retreat that you can check out that gives you tons of information uh, about what you can expect from the retreat so the other thing do you have something else on that the other thing um i just want to touch on briefly and um, brandon you had sent this you know we, we've been getting a lot of questions about actually before i do that before I do that, political views in Vilcabamba, Ecuador, right? So we got we got to touch on this really quickly sure. because, again, the internet the internet's a funny place, right? In general, um, you know, I'm somebody who like religiously stays off of Facebook groups and those kinds of things just because the level of vitriol mm. and just sort of the madness that goes on in these places is so not representative of the actual people here or anywhere else. Right. Um, it's it, the most angry, the most wild opinions, the most sort of just people with too much time on their hands are on there arguing with each other and saying outlandish stuff that they have no idea whether it's true or not. Right. So I like avoid that, you know, at all costs because it's just, it's just so negative. And, and things like, they wouldn't say in person, in person to face to face. True. It's so divisive. Right. And yeah. So, you know, so, so people, right. You might be from the political left. Uh, you might be from the political right. You might be, a, you know, a, a conspiracy theorist. You might be someone who believes everything s the TV says, uh, you know, like, and all of those people live here. And I just want to make that clear. Um, are there threads that run through this community? Absolutely. We've talked about them a lot. People really value freedom. A lot of people homeschool their kids. People value health, organic sort of healthy lifestyles in general, not everybody in general. Mm -hmm. Those are themes for this area. but. I've heard a lot of people say, like, I've seen all these comments, you know, oh, there's nothing but right wing, you know, Trump supporting crazy lunatics living in Vilcabamba. There's plenty of people that support Trump here. There's plenty of people that don't. Uh, in general, you don't actually hear those conversations here. Like, I don't actually really hear many of those conversations going on here. It's we don't live in the States, so it's not, you know, the same level of, you know, interest in those kinds of things. But I just if you're a left left-leaning or right-leaning and that's important to you you're going to find people that agree with you of course in this town period end of story i just wanted to address that real quick. yeah and there are quite a few americans here but you know i don't know maybe 50 percent of expats are american there's a lot of non-americans so yeah a lot of people who don't care about american politics right, right? right, yeah. right. absolutely all right um 10.35. I got to wrap, actually. So we will get next week, we will chat about, if we remember, <laughs> about uh, U.S. involvement in in Ecuador. People are concerned about that. I think foreign involvement in general, based on what's taking place in the country. We'll touch yep. on that, give our thoughts. Again, this is going to be pure opinion, right, on, right, on these kinds of topics. But we'll touch on that next week. Anything else before we wrap up, guys? Well, we just, you know, talk about some of the content we have coming out. You know, you mentioned in the beginning, but we've got some really awesome interviews coming out with with expats that have been here for a while. We've got some other, some other, we got some cool content for some pr people working on some really cool regenerative farming projects here. Oh, yeah. Agricultural fun. projects um, that we're going to share some of that. I know you've got a bunch of, mm -hmm. of other content you're working on, Carl. Yeah, just uh, vlogs and showcasing different areas. I went to San Pedro, going to have a San Pedro vlog. 
Aloha, got my car fixed and a few other things. You might find that interesting. Uh, going to the botanical garden today, get, get some footage there. Also went to the trout restaurant, the trout farm there uh, to showcase what's being done here. So there's a whole bunch of more coming up as well. Yep. So I am at, yeah, I'm going to go interview. We did the Peter interview at Ishkailuma. He's an OG. We're going to yep. go interview a, a OG couple mm -hmm. uh, right after this, Dennis and Maria. I don't know if Maria actually wants to be on camera. We'll see. But mm. Dennis and Maria, who founded, I think Dennis has been here almost 20 years or something like that. Maria's from here. She's Ecuadorian. I, I know we, we know our whole family. They yep. uh, own, a, own a couple of, own a restaurant. Like, you know, one of the guys, her father does the hand-rolled chimicos. The, oh, that's her dad? Uh, yeah, that's her dad. Uh, Don Gonzalo, um, really cool, really cool guy, actually. But we're gonna we're gonna interview them right after this. Yep. Uh, then I'm gonna hit the river with my kids, um, and uh, and then I'll be over here to do some work. So this is you know this is like this is this is the lifestyle here. This is what's going on here. Uh, you don't again if for anyone worried about their safety in terms of walking around or going to the rivers or doing that stuff, zero. You don't zero, have to have any yeah. concern of any kind for your physical safety. Walking around town, doing your thing, living your life. The only the only concern potentially is your home. So just want to also clarify that. Yep. And like that. All right. So if you made it this far, guys, give us a like on the video. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out. Hit the bell icon if you want to be notified anytime we go live or any new content that we have out. If you want to check out what Vilcabamba is like for you. Check out the links below. Check out the retreat. Think about it. Consider coming here. Um, consider at least experiencing for yourself. Don't take our word for it. Experience for yourself and, and see what you think. So we truly hope to see you here one day. So until then, we'll see you next time. Ciao, guys. If you're interested in real estate properties, all of our property videos will now be uploaded on a different channel. Please click the link in the description down below.